Hi, my name is Kimberly Nassen Hall. I am a psychiatric registered nurse. If you would like to receive more information on the nonprofit Global Mentality or Global Mentality Incorporated, please email at globalmentality01 at gmail.com or check out our website at globalmentalityinc.com. You've been listening to Rebuke. Hi, I'm Frida Colvin, licensed clinical social worker for the states of Alabama and Missouri, and you're listening to Rebuke. Hey everyone, this is Marcus, the realest man in Huntsville, and you're now listening to Rebuke. Today makes our 10th episode, and we have a great topic to discuss. Once again, I give thanks to everyone that's been participating by uh, subscribing and listening and sharing my podcast with family and loved ones. I truly appreciate that. And also, uh, you can also help me out by donating uh you know some funds to my podcast by going to the cash app uh dollar sign rebuke r-e-b-u-k-e-e-06 that's dollar sign rebuke r-e-b-u-k-e-e-06 and you know just donate what your heart desires so you know we can keep the show moving and help um help the masses by uh by providing topics that will reestablish unity give knowledge giving knowledge and educating and uh, talking about uh, key things that will help us economically. So we don't want, I got a lot of questions and we got uh, two beautiful and educated. That's nothing more beautiful than, you know, uh, uh, a black woman that is beautiful and educated at the same time on the show that, that was going to enlighten us with the topics. So um, let me go ahead and get started. Uh, I want to talk about somebody I had a crush on, you know, uh, a celebrity. Um, her name is Taraji Henson. Um, I have kind of a big crush on her, you know, ever since uh, she played in Baby Boy. And, you know, I was following her career. I watched all her movies. But I also, soon, when she took the job for... And that role for Empire, I kind of lost respect for her a little bit. I didn't, I didn't feel that 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 role as Cookie, whatever, fitted her, uh, fitted her personality. And I think it was a negative look, not just only for her, but as the black culture as a whole. So I kind of stopped following Taraji for for a long time. But as I was looking online on social media, I don't know what social media platform I was, I was looking at. And I saw Taraji in front of the board. I believe there's some senators or some congressmen and women um, advocating uh, about a top or in talking about a topic that's very, she's very passionate about. I didn't know she was a school teacher uh, that taught special education in a black in a majority black area but this topic i was trying to um i was trying to wait to i reach my one year anniversary in the podcast game and talk about this topic because i was going to bring the first people that i had on my show um on there you know have a big little party gathering and stuff but uh as i start doing research and digging in on it um I think it's we need to go ahead and talk about it now, but um, but what made me say that we need to go ahead and talk about this is when the the young man that just received a full rise uh, football scholarship to Georgia Tech, um, he committed suicide by stepping in front of a train, and 
later reports uh, later uh, you know reports later uh, stated that he had mental issues and he went through a lot of trauma growing up and he couldn't take it no more. But nobody knew the signs or anything like that. So I said, you know what? It's time had time for me to go ahead and and, and do a, a, a podcast show about this and. And I'm glad I reached out to these two beautiful, educated, intelligent women that's that are going to be my guests. So the topic of the show is I am a walking time bomb, black mental illness. So today we have a therapist, Sarita Colvin, and we have the, the beautiful nurse practitioner, Kim Hall. Sarita, this first question is for you. And the first question is, what is the technical term or definition for mental illness? Wonderful question. And I think we need to just make clear that when we say mental illness, we are also um, saying mental disorder because both terms are used interchangeably. And the best definition to use is the one that comes straight out of the DSM-5, which is our clinical um diagnostic tool and that definition is a mental disorder is a syndrome characterized by clinically significant disturbances in an individual's cognition, emotion regulation, or behavior that reflects a dysfunction in the psychological, biological, or developmental processes underlying mental function. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kim, you have anything you want to add to that that definition? Um, that was perfect. I would just break it down a little bit by saying um, it's any disorder that's going to affect your mood, your way of thinking, or behavior. And that's just kind of re- repeating what um, Mrs. Coleman said. But that's an awesome definition. All right. My next question is, um, I'm going to go to Kim. What do you notice when black people are getting treated for mental illness versus their, our white counterparts? So this, okay, so I have to kind of tell you where I work at. So yeah, I yeah. I work at a state psychiatric facility. So the individuals I've seen, I work on a forensics unit. So that's individuals that have been found incompetent to stand trial or not guilty by reason of insanity. So the individuals I see have to be there. So they're not volunteering to be there. They're not coming in the office. So the experience I'm giving you is individuals that have to come see me. So basically what I see is, I see more African-American males, honestly. That's the majority of the population that I see. So I don't really have a big So, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Flag on the play. Flag <laughs> on the play. Um, uh, you, 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 you were smooth until you said that. So there's more black men um, saying they they mentally insane than white oh, people? Let me, okay, that's, that's a good question. Now, matter of fact, let me give you a statistic. Oh, good. No, so, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> black people, black individuals, are African Americans with mental health conditions, particularly the serious mental health conditions like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, they are incarcerated. So even in jails, it's mostly African American males. Same thing with the state psychiatric hospital. Most of my individuals are Af- African American males. So they commit crimes, and it may do, be due to a psychosis, and maybe due to something they had going on mentally. And a lot of times they're taken to jail and they end up they end up in a state psychiatric hospital. So that's what I see. Nine times out of ten, that's what I see. Okay, um the therapist. Yeah. Well, when somebody's sitting in your office, what do you notice when uh do you notice a difference between the black people coming in your office getting treated and the white people counterparts? Yes. Um, I do, but before I answer that, can can I just mm-hmm. want to make a little snippet of a comment to um, what Miss Kim has said? Because what I what I don't want to take away to be is that black men with mental illnesses are criminals. Okay, okay. I I don't want that to be the takeaway. Okay, gotcha. Um, because I feel like. Black men already have enough stereotypes on them. Oh, yeah. And don't tell, tell me about it. Yeah, I just don't want that one to be added, too. Yeah, go ahead. They are, in that in that situation, yes, there are men of color, black men, who commit crimes 
that do not have a mental illness and that there are individuals with, well, men of color who have mental illnesses that do commit crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a relationship here? I'm, I'm sure it is, but I just don't want that to be the takeaway. Okay. So when I come, when black people or white people come to your office, do you know there's a difference in getting treatment? Yes. And what is it? Yes. Um, blacks tend to receive treatment later in life. What do you mean they later? Don't, like what age? They, well, not just an age, but okay. they don't come at the onset of symptoms. So if they start to experience a change in their mood, a change in their behavior, they don't get treated for it right away. I have women who are in their 50s and 60s who come to me about things that happen in their teens and in their 20s. Mm. I have women in their 30s and 40s who come to deal with things that have happened to them when they were 5 and 6 and 10 years old. And so they have, within life, have, have carried that diagnosis without being treated for it and have developed just unhealthy ways to cope and unhealthy ways to deal with life. Um, blacks are also less likely to participate in medication management. I think there's still a fear of being treated like a guinea pig or... Um, the thought of the medication is for the white people. It's very difficult to convince someone who has depression or bipolar disorder or even schizophrenia to say, hey, if you take this medication, it's going to help reduce these symptoms so that you can function at this level and develop how to, the skills to go through life or develop the skills to be able to deal with the remainder of the life stressors that are going to happen. And another thing that I've seen is um, people of color don't really understand the different layers of treatment. Um, layers of therapy treatment? Therapy versus counseling versus okay. psychiatry. Okay. They don't have that clear understanding and when they receive treatment it's not what they expected it to be and so because it's not what I expected I'm not doing it anymore. I got you. Um, I'm glad you um, said y'all made y'all points, but um, y'all didn't tell, talk about um, um, some things I want to talk about. Provider bias and equality. And what about access to mental health services? Um, do you think blacks get have uh, access to these treatments and that uh, do these things for mental illnesses as just as as whites kim um great question so we're going to go back um i gave statistics and i by no means am i saying that african americans like are the ones that commit crimes but mm-hmm. i have to be straight up i have to be honest when it comes to who's in jail doesn't mean that we're criminals but and i'm glad you asked that question because i can kind of bring it back around the majority of individuals, and this is statistics, the majority of individuals that are incarcerated wrongly or unjustly, or if they're incarcerated because of something they did, they are African-American. The majority of individuals that come to the state psychiatric hospitals are African-American. And that's something I preach to people, and this is why, because we do not have the same access to health care that everyone else has. We don't have the same treatment a lot of times that everyone else has. And a lot of times, African-Americans, they do not feel comfortable being treated by clinicians that are not of their same color. And it's because of racism. It's because of discrimination. It's because of all those things. So that's why a lot of times they don't get treated until they have to get treated. And a lot of times they're not getting treated until they have their psychotic break and they end up in jail or they end up in a state psych hospital. A lot of times that's the first time they actually seek treatment. So it's a lot of um, discrimination. It's a lot of injustice. And so to answer your question, no, it's not the same access to health care. And um, like Ms. Coleman said earlier, a lot of times individuals don't seek treatment until it's too late, or it's not too late, but until it's later in life. 
So I don't think African Americans have the same access to health care. Um, I, I still do think it's a lot of inequality there because even if you if you go, well, number one, it's not a lot of um, mental health psychiatrists or mental health therapists or counselors. It's not a lot out there because there is a shortage of mental health clinicians to treat individuals, and it's more and more individuals that are starting to develop mental health illnesses. So, number one, it's a shortage. But if you go into a community, if you go into a rural area that's predominantly black, you don't see a whole lot of assistance there to help treat these individuals. So the access of care isn't there. So that, that, that is a big difference between African-Americans and um, uh, Caucasians. Uh, uh, my favorite therapist, you, you notice a difference in the access? Yes, um, there is a difference in the access. But I have to say, um, and I think I said this when I talked about this when I was on your first show. Okay. But I facilitate a course called Youth Mental Health First Aid. All right. And um, I'm also aware of the adult version of that program. I've been teaching that for the past six years, I want to say. And in the beginning, we would provide statistics in in a graph that demonstrated the disparity of mental health treatment between the races. Six years later, I haven't taught one this year, but last year in 2019, that disparity is decreasing. The access for mental health treatment for people of color and for youth is improving. It is? Is it still a gap? Yes, there's a gap, Um, but it's improving. And I, I don't want to, you know, discount the tremendous strides, including myself, that have been made to make sure that that access to treatment is there. And I'm going to play, you know, Angel's, um, Heaven's Angel here for a second regarding access to care. I work for a federally qualified health center, and we have psychiatry services. We have mental health services. And we have behavioral health services. Okay. My no-show rate is still hitting 50%, 60%, 70%. What do you mean so, no-show no rating? I, I, you're going to have to explain that to, you know. To so no-show rating is when you have a, um, a schedule for the day and oh, patients don't show up. <laughs> okay. So the percentage of my no-show rate. Um, and not just me as a mental health professional, but as well as our medical professionals, not all of them, but some. Um, our no-show rate in any given day ranges between 50 and 70%, even though the services are there. So it's not just about, you know, the availability because it's there, but mental health and physical health has to be important to us as a community in order for us to receive those resources. No, oh, okay. I, I get what you're coming from. Okay. In order for us to use those resources. Got you. Um, I'm going go. to... Oh, you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go for it. No, because um, I'm going to Kim. Um, I, I looked up these different... um. Uh, types of mental illnesses we have that, that we have here, and there's some that are interesting. Um, I'm going to change the question a little bit, and I think you allude to it, uh, to it earlier. Which ones affect the uh, African American community the most? Which mental illnesses affect the African American community the most? And I have mm. a question, a particular question about one particular one. Um, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that question, but I'm also gonna kind of um, jump on what Mrs. Coven said earlier. A lot of times uh, you may not know because a lot of people just don't seek the care. So a lot the numbers may be skewed when you asked the question earlier about um, the males, black African American males suffer more than females. A lot of times the data we get is based off the females because the females tend to 
attend their appointments more than asking their females to. But as of now, um, like I said earlier, depression is really big for African-American women, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. So it's almost anything you can name. But the more serious mental health disorders are schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So those are things that are um, really prominent. But like I said, the numbers are skewed. So you can't really get a definite um, measure, a definite amount of exactly like what, what affects the most. But depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, all those things are really big amongst African-Americans. I, mean, I can hear about this one anxiety. What What is that? Anxiety can be, are you asking me? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. So anxiety, it's a couple of different things. Like you can think of anxiety as in panic attacks, and that's kind of, Say you're, you're in a situation, I know that's probably not you because you have a podcast, but say you're in a situation where you don't like to talk around people. You don't like to talk around a lot of people. So you have a panic attack, you start breathing really hard, you start having the chest pains, the sweats, and you just cannot get through it. It's different levels of panic attacks. You also have something called generalized anxiety disorder, and that's something that's outside of the panic attacks. So you can have normal anxiety or anxiety that's normal for you where you don't need medication, you're able to kind of breathe through and get through it. Or you can have anxiety um, maybe in the social social anxiety or some phobias or anything like that to where you can't make it through. Like you don't even go out because you can't you can't get through it. So anxiety, um, it's, it's a problem when it starts to affect your life. It starts to affect your, your routine. Like you, you can't cope. You can't do anything because the anxiety is so crippling. So anxiety can definitely be um, be addressed on different levels. So it really depends on how severe it is. And it can also be different disorders. Because a lot of times, especially with um, individuals that have post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of times they experience anxiety as well. So it just depends. With any mental disorder, it depends on how much it affects your way of living. Can you cope with it? Can you get through it? Or is it just debilitating where you just can't do anything at all? Okay. Um Ms. Colvin, you have something to add to that? Because I really want to ask you this question. This question I got is not on the list. Okay. I know. <laughs> so just want to ask. Come on with it. Just wanted, I'm coming. So just wanted to add to the anxiety. So it, it's good to think, to have in mind that anxiety is an extreme fear. Is extreme fear of the of the probability of something to happen that won't actually happen, and you know, um, as she was stating, how does it affect your life? That's the most important thing because there's a level of fear that each individual needs to have. There's a level of anxiety that we need to have. We need to have a level of anxiety if we um, are crossing the street and see a car coming our way. There's a level of anxiety that we need to have to protect ourselves um, to save our own lives. So if I'm walking across the street and here's a car coming, I need to have enough fear and anxiety to move a little quicker and get out of the way. Um, but the anxiety that clinic that is clinically diagnosed is one, as Ms. Um, Kim was saying, that is going to affect your, your functioning. It's the social anxiety it's the phobias of certain things. It's um, not being able to handle being outside and on the outdoors or not being able to speak publicly. Things like that can, <clears throat> excuse me, things like that can be treated. So anxiety is, is very common with children and adults, okay. black and white. So what's your question? Yeah. Give me your question. <laughs> Um, um, that's good. So schizophrenia and bipolar from Kim and, and anxiety, but there's, there's one, I think that a lot of African-Americans suffer from, but there's possibility they don't get it treated. And this is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it reads as a mental illness that is triggered after experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event. Experiences that can cause PTSD can range from extreme events like war, natural disasters, verbal or physical abuse. Now, living in Metro Detroit for seven and a half years, mm-hmm. and I used to do, um, uh, you know, outreach up there. 
and seeing the city, the rough sides of the cities, uh, abandoned homes, and hearing the crime rates. You know, people two hundred getting keep getting murdered this this year, and, and average of two hundred more people getting murdered. The 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 unemployment rate is, is higher than the, uh, for African Americans than it is whites. Uh, the things that we're talking about today. Why is this one is not the number one for African Americans? And don't we don't you think a lot of African Americans are suffering through post traumatic stress disorders based on what we go through, especially uh Sarita in Saint Louis, Atlanta, Memphis and cities like that? Mm-hmm. Come on with it. Well this this is the thing with trauma. A traumatic event, though you know, you, you listed some you know, pretty good one. But it really depends on the individual. What's considered a traumatic event to me may not be a traumatic event to you. And that diagnosis of PTSD really depends on the individual and how they are functioning and dealing with whatever the traumatic event or events were. So let's take, for example, um, car wreck. Yep. Okay. So let's say both of us were traveling to work. We're going 65 north. Okay. We're both traveling to work, same highway, same direction. My car is a little better than yours, but it's okay. <laughs> and we both, we both get into a car accident. Oh, the shade. Go ahead. <laughs> We both get into a car accident, okay? I, you know, I I wrecked my car. It's not totaled. I get pulled over, you know, assistant, police are called. I get to go ahead and, you know, drive on. Everybody's okay. So I'm I'm just going to continue my journey, okay? But you... Same type of accident, you know, car not totaled, pulled over, everybody's checked out, everybody's okay, you continue driving. But for you, you just had a car accident last week. So how you respond to that accident on that day is going to be different than how I respond to it because of your experience. Mm, Okay. So even though we may be in that particular environment or how the same event happened to us. It depends on the coping strategy that I have, the experience that you have, all of that wrapped in together, whether or not we will be diagnosed with PTSD. Keep in mind that for any of these diagnoses, be it anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever the case may be, it has to be something that affects every area of your life. It has to affect the way that you think. It has to affect the way that you process things. It has to affect the way that you behave. It has to affect your relationships socially. It has to have an impact on those things before it can become a diagnosis. So even though people of color live in traumatic, um, will experience traumatic events and Mm -hmm. live in what we call um, urban war zones, how do they deal with it? How are they processing with it? How are they they affected by it? So it's just not, okay, that was traumatic for me, and you experienced it, so now you have PTSD too. No, there's a little bit more that goes with it. So it's not, everyone doesn't have it. Okay, okay. Kim, you got anything to add? If you don't, um, I'm, I'm ready to give no, you the next this, question. Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, let me just, like, what she's saying of is called resilience. It's basically your ability to bounce back. So, um, if you say you have two two children and both experience, experience some type of verbal abuse or physical abuse, one is fine, one moves on, like, nothing's happened, but the other one is traumatized. So, basically, what she was saying is resilience. It's your ability to... You know, males, especially African-American males, they can experience something and they can be perfectly fine, but somebody else may not experience it that way. So it's 
it's really complicated. So it's not really something you can just say, oh, well, I have PTSD or anything like, or anxiety or anything like that. It's extremely complicated. Sorry, go ahead. Give me a question. What is it? No, no, I'm sorry. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay, Kim, why is it so hard for black people to discuss or get treated for mental illness? And where is this dumb, I hate to say it, this dumb stereotype of being weak comes from regarding mental illness in the black community? And before you answer that, I was in a barber shop, right? And we was talking about suicide and and we was, I, was, I don't know who's committed suicide. I don't know how the topic came about. And a bunch of the guys were saying, man, yo, yeah, man, you weak if you commit suicide. You weak, you weak. You just weak black man. And I was like, dang, how can y'all say that? Where y'all get this crap from? So go ahead and, and, and answer that question for me. Well, first thing I want to say is it's a stigma about mental health illnesses. And that's not only in our, our population, it's in everybody, like nobody um, I teach a cultural lecture, and I break down, like, everybody's opinion, like, how they, the different cultures, whether it's Asian-Americans, um, African-Americans, Caucasian, Native Americans, and it's all the same. It's a stigma, so nobody wants to be seen, like, um, as having a mental health illness because it does, like, make you that crazy. I've heard terminology crazy. I've heard, and it's, it's society. It's what we put on it. And I think with us, with African-Americans, it goes back to most of us and most of our ancestors were raised in the, the big families, the huge families, and it's like we took care of our own. Like, we didn't go tell everybody our business. If we told anybody our business, who was it? It was a pastor. So it's like that was just a type of mindset. That's how we were raised. Like, you feel like you're weak if you're telling somebody men. You feel like you're weak if you're crying. You feel like you're weak if you're expressing emotions. All that comes from society. It comes from society's influence. So I feel like that's why um, you have people that don't want to talk about it or they don't want to discuss it or they don't want to be known for having mental health illness. Like they don't want to seek care because once you start seeking care, you're finally saying like, hey, I do have this disorder. or Hey, I am crazy or things like that. So I think society plays a large role in it. And it's not only with African-Americans, it's with everybody. Um, I think more certain cultures are more open to seeking care. But I think they still see, receive some type of stigma that's associated with having a mental health illness. Before you answer that question, Sharita, um, I forgot the gynecologist's name. He's the father of gynecology, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know him. Uh, look him up. But he you used... want to practice on animals first? I don't know about animals. But oh, okay. I'm talking about he practiced on black women. I can't get the name case not uh, slipping, but he practiced on slave African-American uh, female slaves or women slaves. And he said that the reason why he practiced on black women versus white women, because black women can take the pain uh, better than a white woman. So I'm going back to you, Sarita. Is this stigma comes from that the the black person is stronger than anybody else? We, you know, stronger than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet mentality that we shouldn't we shouldn't have no mental illnesses as well. You know what? I mean, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. I I haven't looked into it that far back to obtain that mentality. Um, and I think, I mean, Marcus, that's um, that's probably one of those, you could probably have a whole show on those um, self-fulfilling prophecies when it comes to how whites thought about blacks and the things that we have accepted and brought as part of our culture. But that one, you know, I'm not sure if it, if it goes back that far. Okay, okay. So why is it so hard for us as a people to get treated or talk about this illness around the family table? Um, my experience is the opposite. Okay. It's not being weak. It's I have to be strong. Mm. So that's that's what I always hear is that I have to be strong so I have to deal with it. 
I need to be strong for my family, so I have to deal with this. If I don't deal with this, then I'm not strong. So for whatever reason, we identify our, in my office, a lot, both men and women, identify being strong with dealing on the wrong with whatever circumstance that they're faced. So it's not a matter of weakness, it's a matter of strength. Oh, okay. I'm too strong for this. I can deal with this. I'm strong. I have to be strong. I'm a strong woman. This is what strong women do. I'm a man. I'm a strong man. I deal with this. I don't let this get to me. That that was nothing. So that's what I get. I get the strong. And we have to, what I do with my patients is we actually define what strong is. And if they're actually being strong, emotionally and physically, because in presentation, they look weak to me, physically and emotionally. So that's the discussion that we have, combating what strong actually is. Okay, great, great answer, great answer. Um, Kim, you found an organization dealing with mental illness. Can you expound on that, uh, that organization for us? Sure, Marcus. I actually founded two organizations. Um, two? I've been in site nursing for, man, seven years now. I've been in nursing for about 11 years, but site nursing is seven. And I'm just really passionate about um, site nursing. So my nonprofit mission is basically to spread mental health awareness. So we host different events in the community. We go to different events, like we set up our table. And what we do is we educate. Like we have different classes on suicide and bullying for the kids. Um, we have we had a mental health expert last year where we actually had a roundtable discussion of therapists in the prison. They work in different areas. And they just sat down and talked to the community about what they're seeing and about um, mental health illnesses, different psychiatrists. Um, so just things like that, whatever, whatever we can do to spread mental health awareness, that's what we do. And we also give back. So we raise funds and donate them back to the community. Um, my fourth profit actually, it started out, and I guess I should say that I'm not married to actually this one solution. I'm more married to solving a problem. So one of the problems that I see, especially with working with a state psychiatric hospital, is that we treat a lot of individuals. We put them back out into the community, and within 30 days, they're coming right back in. So the problem is like it's not it's not enough resources. So one of the things that I started the company out doing was developing a telepsychiatry business. So basically individuals that had access to a smartphone, a laptop or anything like that, they would still be able to actually connect to their therapist, still connect to their psychiatrist, connect to their counselors, or connect to whoever they need to connect to through telepsychiatry. And that's still in the making. We're still working on it. So the next step was the actual telepsychiatry consultant company. And basically what we do is that we, we go into the psychiatrist offices, the ones that have not moved to telepsychiatry, and basically we find out information about them, we find out what their needs are, and from there we actually develop a plan for them to move to telepsychiatry. So we'll offer them different software solutions, and whichever they choose, we actually find that solution for them. We make that connection, we get their office set up, and we um, start finding them patients and making sure their patients are okay with actually using the software. So basically what we're trying to do is that we're trying to stand in the gap and make sure that we get individuals the help they need as well as getting the psychiatrists and therapists the assistance they need. So that's kind of a little bit on GMI and GM. Okay, that's great. That's great. That's great. Um, next one for you, my favorite therapist. Um Based on what I have experienced talking to y'all, both of you, both of y'all women, y'all y'all very into y'all faiths, but is is especially in the black community, we, we rely on, a lot of us rely on our faiths a little too much instead of seeking help. Do you is turning into faith based solutions instead of going to professionals a, a big problem in the black community? I, I already answered the question. But in your eyes, do you think that's the, the problem? We, 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 we tend to go to our pastor instead of going to you, Sarita, and you, Kim? It can be. In my experience, it can be. Um, I, I think it's important to maintain your 
faith-based community um, within your steps to healing. And I encourage that and talk about that often with my patients. Um, and if you remember, like I had my T-shirt that I had on, said that it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. Okay. Because it is. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, and it's important, if you can, find a therapist that also has Jesus. <laughs> so all of oh. that works together. But when we, what I found is that there's still in some faith community the belief that mental illness is a demonic possession. Eve, well, I mean, when I mean um, faith-based, based, we we also talk about, you know, all of them, Christianity, Islam, yes. Buddhism. Okay, yes. go ahead, yes. go ahead. Yes. Catholicism, faith-based. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at them all. So, yes, there's still the belief that mental illness is a demonic possession. Um, some of our clergy... Um, feel as though well they're not equipped number one or trained in this illness I agree but some of them are too prideful and are kind of hover pastors and don't recommend their clergy to seek mental health treatment they want to try to deal with it on their own which does not put the individual who's experiencing mental health symptoms um, doesn't put them in a good place at all. And what I'm also noticing is that within the faith-based community, there's a lot of practice of um, nuthetic therapy or nuthetic counseling, which says that what is illness that? is a result. I'm about to tell you. Oh, my bad. Illness I'm sorry. Is a result. My, my, my bad. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm about to tell you, I promise you. <laughs> but it's basically saying that the presence of illness or struggling or suffering um, is due to sin. Mm. So because you you sinned, th- this is why this is going on. Uh, because there's sin in your life, so. this is why you're experiencing this. And when someone is experiencing acute mental health psychiatric symptoms and you're telling them well you, this is happening because you sinned and then they go to examine themselves and say well where you know I've considered this I've done this and they can't find anything what are they going to do not come to me mm. so it can be helpful but it also can be very detrimental mm. in about three years you know you'll see my work in that area <laughs> Okay, okay. But that that piece is really, um, I feel like as a woman of faith, that my kingdom community is suffering too much to have such faith and connection to God. Okay, okay. Kim, you want to add something to that? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So, yeah, it can be helpful, and it can be a detriment. Mm, That's that's a unique... Unique uh, 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 view on it because I, th- I I personally feel that churches or uh, or mosques or whatever do not go out and try to build like relationships with therapists. So so if somebody is suffering through depression or suffering with anxiety, you know I can call the phone and be like Kim, uh, I have somebody here that needs help. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Or you know, or mm-hmm. Sarita, I have somebody that's suicidal. I, can you come over here ASAP? I think, I think we rely too much on that, and we, we realize that humans are put on this earth for a reason, and we can help each other mm-hmm. out. You get what I'm saying? That so is exactly why we're here. And so, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. Um, I think for me, because I'm faith based as well, and I know for me, my faith has taken me a long way. But I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression. I can remember going because my family goes like my granddad was a preacher. And my brother's a preacher, so they go way back. Um, but I can remember it's good because I, I grew up in a faith-based family. Like, my family is extremely supportive. They're always there. But I can remember just, you know, feeling like I was going to lose my mind. And I can remember going to people and being like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this, this isn't right. And it's like, they would say, well, you're going to be okay. Just pray about it. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, and it's like a lot of times it's like, you know, God is good, but it's like he put therapists and psychiatrists and all this on this earth for your use. So, and that's what I, I tell tell my individuals all the time. Like, it's it's the reason, you know, God places people on this earth. So it's like, use it. These, these resources are for you, so use them. A lot of times people will tell you to pray about it. Yeah, you can pray about it, but if you're praying about it, make sure you get you a therapist and you get you a clinician and just do both of them. So that's, mm-hmm. that I think that's one of the biggest things. It's like, it's always pray about it. Okay, but what else do you need to do as you're praying about it? Because your faith is going to get you through that situation. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't have faith, a lot of times they don't tend to be successful in treatment versus if you got someone that believes in something, then they tend to have more get up and go about succeeding or being more successful with the treatment. But you also have to tell them, okay, it's okay to have a therapist. So I've kind of dealt with it. I've been in that situation and had people to say, well, pray about it. And it's like, no, I need, I need something else. Like, I need for you to kind of give me some, some other feedback and just kind of let people know it's okay if you need a therapist. Even a preacher, if you need a therapist, it's okay. It's, it's not, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're weak or you're not a good person because you need to talk to somebody. It's okay. Don't hold all this stuff in because when you hold it in, that's how you make yourself sick or that's how you have a breakdown because you're holding everything in until you can no longer hold it in. Okay. Great responses. Great responses. And before we leave, I'm just, I lost who, I'm just going to ask both of you. Please give the audience ways to prevent mental illness from controlling and ruining their lives. And I'm going to start with Kim, and then I'm going to let Sarita end it. Kim? Um, I think the the most important thing I would say, transparent. Talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. Like, that's the first thing I will leave with someone. Help. And know even when you seek help that you have to want to change. Like even if you seek a therapist or you seek a psychiatrist, don't think that they're going to be able to do things for you. You have to want to change as much as they want it. And also you have to believe in yourself. Like I always have faith and believe in yourself. And even though mental health illnesses is not curable, it's treatable. And we can't, you can't have a better quality of life. So definitely just believe in yourself and keep the faith. All right. My favorite therapist, end it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to come right back and just reinforce it. Don't be afraid to seek treatment. It is okay to get help. If something is going on, reach out. It is okay. Um, And it's going to be important, very important. And I want to leave everybody with another important piece about managing and controlling um, the symptoms, self-care. Self-care, not just regular self-care, but I'm going to break self-care down for you. Go ahead. Okay? So with self-care, the S is going to be stay healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. The E is eat healthy, more fruits and vegetables. No, that's my problem. L, laugh, even at yourself. F, fun. Find time for fun. That's really important. C, create a calm environment you unwind. A, ask for help when necessary. R, rest. The body needs to sleep. And E, exercise. It helps with the mind, body, and the spirit. Self-care. Oh, awesome. 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 I need to write it down, too. Well, I ain't going to write it down, but I'll text (laughs) it to me. I'll text it to you. Well, ladies, I, I appreciate you all coming on the show. But no, you know what? Know what? I, I got something to say. Um, I got something to say before I end the show. I, first of all, I thank you, Kim and Sarita, for coming on the show. Uh, y'all provided some great knowledge, wisdom uh, for the people. But I, I, I want to answer my own question at the end. To, you know, I, I, I don't suffer from mental illness or anything to that nature. But I, based on what Taraji Henson said, in that if y'all get a chance, look up on YouTube and, and see what she was saying. I think we, and she's saying there's a, a lack of African-American uh, psychiatrists or therapists or in these rural areas and stuff like that. Um, 
like I said earlier, we all these faith bases, I think we need to collaborate with the Kims and the Saritas of the world. It's okay to work with them. Um, even for myself, I, I think that, you know, me coming from a, you know, a prideful family, we, we also look at this stuff as being weak. Um, and I was, and Sari was talking about the strong one. I'm kind of the strong one in my family. And I always, always pride myself and try to hype myself up. Yo, I'm the strong one. I can't just let this happen. Yes, it can. Um, don't let it. And this is to all the strong ones, quote unquote, strong ones, or the ones that the family members look up to for everything. Man, get help, man. Um, like I said, God, didn't, you know, the, the, heavenly, the creator didn't uh, put these people down here for no reason. And and this is just from the strong ones. We we get we have although we lie, I consider myself a lion. Even the lions have a breaking point. You know what I'm saying? So for all my strong people that are are they you know feel like is 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 beneath them to go seek help please seek help um cuz even for myself I was I'm I've been considering you know talk need to talk to a therapist and talk about the things that you know I went through as a young man growing up but I couldn't say it because that the old saying what happens in the house stays in the house and you have to be strong on behalf of the family and and behalf of the, your last name so please go seek help, and once again, I thank Kim and Sarita for coming on the show and, and expounding on this this thing uh, called this thing called mental illness that's terrorizing the black community. And you always always know that my before I end the show, I always have a saying, you know, that knowledge is power, and economic freedom is salvation. But if you put that two those two things together, uh, we can build a great nation. Thank you for listening to Rebuke. Uh, check us out next time uh, when we we're going to talk about five two nine plans and how to save for colleges. So look look out for that. And once again, thank you, and we talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>